Hey everyone, I'm so excited for you guys to be here and I'm just excited to get started on today's um, lesson here. So it is Money Mindset Thursdays, which means this is a live edition of Financially Free with Cleo podcast and I think there's like a little delay on uh, YouTube, but yeah, just don't worry about that. But again, it is Thursday, Money Mindset Fridays, and I want to make sure, let me go ahead and mute this here. Okay, so it is Thursday, which means it is Money Mindset Thursdays, which is a live edition of Financially Free with Cleo podcast. And what that really means is that we're just going to be talking about different topics, think about our feelings when it comes to certain personal finance topics. And Financially Free with Cleo is a show to help you live financially free in your own way. Uh, so we're just going to go ahead and get started. So the first topic that I want to talk about, and if there's a delay on YouTube's end, please forgive me, have a little technical difficulties today, but uh, we're going to be good. So I just wanted to talk about first gentrification. So I'm originally from Nashville, Tennessee, and I've lived in several different cities. So uh, since 20, 2013, I've lived in Miami, I've lived in Orlando, uh, DMV area, I've lived in Denver, Colorado, I've lived in Dallas, Texas. So I've lived in a lot of different places, and what I've noticed is that Everywhere the cost of living is going up, right? And a lot of areas that are being gentrified, it's been going on for years, right? This is nothing new. It's been going on for decades, actually. But I saw a post on Facebook the other day that kind of made me start thinking about how we really need to change our mindset around this whole gentrification thing. I know we want to, you know, keep seeing our same you know, the way our neighborhoods used to be, we want to still see those same things. Um, and I know there can be pros to cons on either side, but I saw um, my emphasis on today is on the, the complaining part. So a lot of times we see these, you know, commercial buildings or we see these um, homes or these apartments or these businesses being built in these, you know, lower income areas. And we get upset, right? And you know, we have a right to be upset. Cost of living is going up and everyone may not be able to afford what the new rent costs or home costs are, right? And one of the comments said on there is that, you know, why are they building all these expensive housing when blacks can't afford it? And that really kind of like struck a nerve to me like, and I know this person, she kind of, I saw in her in the comments, she kind of explained herself why she said that. So she didn't mean all blacks can't afford it. But why do we even have to have that type of mindset that blacks can't afford it? I know when we hear low income, most of the time people associate that with being black as if all black people are struggling, as if all black people are low income. But why do we have to accept that though. Like I do get it. I know there's statistics out there. There's studies out there about black people in lower income neighborhoods, but there are other 
uh, ethnic backgrounds. There are other races that have, you know, lower incomes as well. And I've been in it personally as well. I was born and grew up in the inner city in Nashville, Tennessee. I lived in several different lower income neighborhoods and most of my life I've lived in that type of environment. So I get it. I know how it feels. I know how it's, I know how it is. I get it. But I just want to know why do we have to accept the fact that blacks can't afford it? There are clearly black people who can afford it. And, we're, and I'm wondering, what do you think? You know, what are, what do these other black people who can't afford it, what do they have access to that the other black people don't have access to? And I know there's a lot of things that are, you know, barriers for us when it comes to, you know, increasing our financial lifestyles and doing better. I know we have challenges against us. I know we have barriers to push through, but overall, instead of complaining and content, and of course we do have to always have some type of affordable housing because, you know, everyone won't be able to afford that, right? So we always need some type of affordable uh, housing out there. But instead of saying, hey, get more affordable housing, instead of saying, hey, this is too much, complaining, you know, let's start with thinking about the people who we're putting in place, uh, who are helping making these decisions. Who are you voting for? Are you even going to your local elections? Are you even participating in that before? And I'm talking to the people who are complaining about it, right? What have you done to make it, you know, make a change to it? Um, when we see these buildings already built or starting to be built, that's when I see a lot of people complaining. Well, let's ask, you know, what have you done in the past? You know, a lot of stuff that we see being built now was already in discussions 5, 10, 15, even 20 years ago. I, gradu I graduated from high school in 2013 and, no, I'm sorry, not 2013. I graduated high school in, um, to uh 2003 and i have a daughter she's about to be 19 now and stuff that's being built or already been built it was in talks way back then so we have to ask ourselves how can we involve ourselves now to get in on what's to come five years from now 10 years from now 15 20 years from now do you go to your local town hall meetings community meetings are you participating in these discussions not that we'll always get what we want, but we have to ask ourselves, are we doing anything to make our voices heard or to make any changes instead of just waiting to, waiting until things are built to complain? And instead of you know saying, hey, things are too expensive, this is how I look at it because clearly the cost of living is gonna continue to go up. So I had to ask myself, well, how can I earn more money so I can afford to live wherever I want to live, you know, instead of thinking of lack, oh, I don't have the, enough money to buy a home in this area, or I don't have enough money to rent in this area. No, let me figure out what can I do? This is what we all should be thinking, y'all. What can I do? What can we do so that we can afford to still stay in the communities that we want to stay in? Now, if we want to leave the communities that we grew up in, that is totally fine. We have a right to do whatever we want to do, right? But I just feel like that we should start thinking of, you know, focusing less on what we lack, what we might not have, will not have, or what we feel we don't have. What, what can we do to get enough money so we can live a lifestyle that we really want to live? You know, when we hear about people, you know, black people being pushed out of certain neighborhoods, I get it. You know, we all see what's happening, right? 
But why do we have to accept that blacks can't afford it? I, that just doesn't sit well with me. That really kind of struck a nerve when I read that. And I was just like, yes, I get it. But why do we have, we can't accept that y'all. That's what they want us to accept. Oh, we can't afford it. We got to leave. No, we don't have to leave if we don't want to, because we have enough skills. We have enough talent. We have enough power, especially if we work together to stay in the neighborhoods that we want to stay in or just live the lifestyle that we truly want to live. So that's my encouragement for anyone out there that, you know, is feeling some negative feelings or emotions about your communities changing instead of us focusing on uh, getting affordable housing everywhere because we know everything is not going to be affordable. But we can change our habits. We can change our personal finances to the point where we can afford to pay $1,200, $1,500, dollars rent. And I know that can sound ridiculous to a lot of people, but your situation can change if that's what you desire. So let's start thinking about things that we can do, not just voicing our complaints, but how can we work together so that we all can live where we want to live and enjoy the type of lifestyles that we want to uh, enjoy. So next, I want to talk about um, a personal finance calendar. So I got an email from Charles Swab, which, you know, they have banking, commercial banking, investment services, right? So they, um, and I'll share this link so you can read the whole thing in the show notes. Um, but basically they gave some things that you can do in your personal finances every single month. Cause you know, at the beginning of the year, we all can get really overwhelmed with trying to do a lot in January. <laughs> and I want you to know that you don't have to do it all in January. So I'm just going to share a few things. They had a lot of things in each month, but I just wanted to share one from each month so that you can kind of spread this out throughout the year and not feel like you have to do a whole lot in January or a whole lot in February. So I'm going to just share a couple with y'all and hopefully you can put this into your action plan for 2022. So for January, they listed managing debt. So if you are someone that has debt, which is a lot of us, I want you to go check all three of your credit reports, TransUnion, Equifax, Experian, to see what is really on there. And sometimes we may have debts that's probably not on there. So you gotta really think about who you owe because if it's not on there right now, it could end up on there later. So you wanna make sure you are addressing all debts that's on and off your credit report. And let's not leave out people, like people like friends and family that you owe. If you owe somebody some money and you haven't paid them back yet, call them text them, communicate with them, set up some type of arrangement if you can't pay the total amount right now. But the goal is to have a list of all the debts that you owe from smallest to largest. And of course, keeping in mind of any of the debts that may have interest rates on them, keep that in mind too when you're paying things off. And as you're going through that list, you may have some debts that may need to be paid off sooner rather than later. So for example, if you owe the IRS, they may need to be pushed up to the front of the line. <laughs> or maybe you owe someone and they are about to 
garnish your wages or maybe your wages are already garnished and you're trying to stop that maybe they need to be pushed to the front of the line so it's all about taking each debt one at a time if you can attack multiple at a time go ahead but if you want to take those baby steps at least you are working on a at least one debt at a time instead of just ignoring them all and keep working on that plan until you know your debt is all paid off so for february they listed checking your insurance policies. So car insurance, homeowner's insurance, renter's insurance, life insurance, disability insurance, and a health insurance. So you want to look at those policies. Now, I've worked in insurance for years on the claim side. So I get it. Nobody's really reading their insurance policies until something happens and you need to file a claim. Then people are like, you know, what, you know, reading through the policy and all the terms and the declaration page, all of that. But it's really important for you to look through it. And if you're confused and you're not sure what stuff means, that is okay because you can call someone at your insurance company and tell them like, look, I just want to get an idea of what's really covered, what's not. Can you break this down for me? You know, in regular people terms, you know, because in the insurance world, we get all these terms right but you know if you're not in the insurance industry you're not going to really understand what any of this stuff means and that's totally okay but you want to look through those policies to see what is covered what's not covered and to see do you need to make changes do you need to take some coverages off because you could be paying for coverages that you may not really need anymore in this season in your life so you want to check to see does something need to be removed do coverages need to be added Maybe your situation has changed where you may need to take, you know, add or remove some things. So it's good to check. And you may need to see if there's some policies that you no longer need anymore. Sometimes we need certain policies and sometimes we don't. So the whole idea is to look at them and consult with a professional to help you make those decisions. Next is March. So for March is talking about refunds, like tax refunds, or if you get a bonus at work, maybe you get a gift and someone gives you money. So it's talking about not just taking that money and just splurging it all, right? It's about using it towards whatever your money goals are this year. Is it to pay down debt? Is it to buy a new car? Is it to save up for a vacation? Maybe you need to invest or increase your investing. If you haven't started investing, maybe you want to start or maybe you just want to add to your existing investment accounts that you already have. So instead of just quickly going to splurge, it's okay to have a little fun, right? But the idea is to use that extra money towards your money goals instead of just splurging it only. So decide what you would use that towards. So for April, of course, this year, the tax deadline is April 18th of 2022. So for the, for, for the people who get refunds, you're probably not going to wait till April to file, right? When I used to get tax refunds, as soon as I got my W-2, I was filing because I'm like, I want this refund. But I no longer get tax refunds. I'm at the point where I'm trying to just not owe taxes, right? So for those of us who usually would owe and we're trying our best to break even, we are usually waiting till the last minute, especially if we owe, because we're like, I'm gonna wait till the last second before I have to file my taxes. But even then, we wanna make sure we are not missing that deadline. And if something happens where you 
can't file or don't want to file by that time, at least, you know, get an extension uh, to file instead of just not filing and not doing anything at all. At least file for the extension. All right. So for May, the tip they gave is creating a, well, create or update inventory of your home and personal property. So if you live in a home, if you live in a house or if you live in an apartment, the idea is to have record, meaning on paper or spreadsheet, Google sheet, whatever you prefer, have a list of all the things you own and also take pictures and video. So, and I'm speaking in the, the claims world here because I've handled lots of commercial property claims and a lot of, you know, residential property claims. And, you know, if you have a hot house fire, maybe somebody break in and steal your stuff, like you want to have some video or some pictures or some receipts showing of the stuff that you own just in case something happens. All you got to do is get your phone. You can literally just go through your house and just record everything. Even if you don't have pictures, at least just it's quicker to probably do a video than taking a whole lot of pictures. So if you just go through your home and just record everything really quick, you don't necessarily have to write it down or uh, take photos. A video will help because the video has a timestamp on it. And what's better than video, right? But write it down, take pictures, video, whatever you prefer. And then if there's anything that you own that may not be inside your apartment or inside your home, you still want to make sure you are accounting for that too. So maybe you own a car, but someone else is driving it. You want to get some pictures or some videos of that. Or maybe you have some jewelry or maybe you have something else. Maybe you have another property that you own. Like you want to make sure you are taking account for any and everything that you own just in case you need that proof one day. So for June, we have a mid-year review. So in June, it's the middle of the year, right? It's the summertime. We all just want to do what? Have fun and travel, right? We're going to be spending a lot of money in the summertime, but we don't want to move away from our goals that we have, right? That we set at the beginning of the year. So it's just like a way to check in to make sure everything is going the way it needs to go. And if you've fallen off track, it's a perfect time to get right back on track. And it's a perfect time to also uh, make changes that needs to be made. So you want to check in with your budget. You want to check in with your goals. Did you reach your goals? Are you getting closer to your goals? What is working? What's not working? You want to make sure you are saving your money and investing your money. How are you doing on that? You know, think about from January the 1st, how much money have you saved? How much money have you invested? Look at those goals that you wrote down at the beginning of the year. Did you start? Did you fall off track? Are you right on track the way you need to be? So it's just a way to check in. And if you are not where you want to be, it's okay. You know, we are all human. But we got to make sure that we start working on that discipline and the consistency because that's the only way we're going to achieve those financial goals if we are staying on track with that plan. Remember, you know, it's best to do little things over time instead of trying to accomplish these huge, gigantic goals in a short period of time. So just spread all this stuff out. All right. So we are on July. July is refresh your money skills. So which means we just need to continue to educate ourselves. So this means you are reading a book, listening to a podcast, 
or you are taking a course, consulting with a professional that can teach you and break down some things for you. So refreshing your money skills is a perfect thing to do because things are always changing and we forget stuff. I learn stuff and forget stuff all the time. So we have to continuously educate ourselves and remind ourselves on the best ways to manage our money. We're almost done here. So we're on August. So August is start thinking about your holiday budget, specifically Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. So I know in August, most of us aren't thinking about that, but a lot of us start getting real nervous when November hits as if we didn't know this was coming up. So if you plan to travel, if you plan to buy gifts, already start thinking about that. I mean, you could really start thinking about it now, but at least in August, that's kind of like a good distance away. And you want to make sure you are thinking about who you're buying gifts for, how much you really want to spend, what's your gift budget, what's your travel budget, where are you going, how much is this going to cost? Yes, I know it can feel like, oh, I don't want to think about this, but you don't want to get into situations that most people get into where they overspend during the holidays and then they stress to the max when January comes and it's not a good feeling. So plan ahead. That's it. It'll make your life so much easier if you just plan ahead and learn when to say no to yourself and people. But if you have the extra money you want to just splurge and spend, you should still create a plan. That way you know you are not over overspending like you have in the past. I know myself when I didn't plan, it was not a good feeling because I was like, oh, I don't really need to set a budget. I, I know what I need to spend. I know. But then you start spending, swiping that debit card. I don't have any credit cards, but when I used to have credit cards, yeah, you just keep swiping and swiping and swiping and it's just like, it can turn into a big mess. So remember to think about all of that. Think about that holiday spending budget, specifically traveling for traveling and buying gifts during Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Next is September. So this is considering opening an IRA. So for those that don't know, it is an individual retirement account. If you already have an IRA or a Roth IRA open, then this is a good time to look at what is inside those accounts and see are these the best investments for you. If not, consult with someone wherever your accounts are at. You want to make sure you are talking with a professional so you can understand what your money is invested in. If you don't have one open, this is a good time to research and learn about it because if we can spend money, we can invest money. I know sometimes we may think, oh, I don't have enough money to save or invest, but yet we can still spend money on all these other things. You know, we spend money on you know, alcohol, we spending money on cigarettes, we're spending money on clothes. And when I, I'm not just talking about basic clothes, I'm talking about like the extra, extra clothes that we may not need, which is, you know, if that's what you want to spend money on, it's totally okay. But we can't have money for these other things. And we say we don't have money for the saving and investing thing that's going to really help us now and later. So next is October. We're in October, so what you should do during that month, because that is open enrollment season, right? So you want to make sure you are understanding your health insurance plans. If you are an employee and you want to check to see what your employer is offering in their plans, look, check it out. See what the costs are. See what the coverages are. 
just like in the other month when we were, which was probably February, I think, where we talked about going through all your insurance policies, not just health insurance, but all the other ones. But October is a good month to go through it because that's when the open enrollment period is at your job. And even if you're self-employed, you still may have insurance that you still need to look at and check to see what you have, what's working for you, what you may need to remove or add in your health insurance plans. And November and December, credit card debt. So just like I said before, and like for August, you know, we're spending more money on traveling for the holidays. We're spending more money on uh, gifts for everyone and we're just swiping them credit cards. So it's a really good time to look at all your credit cards. I know some people got one credit card. Some people have no credit cards. Some people have one, but some people have six, seven credit cards or more and they're using them all. And you wanna make sure you're looking to see what your limits are, what your usage is, like how much are you spending on these credit cards? You wanna look at your due dates, your statement dates, you know, when is the billing cycle time frame? You wanna make sure that you're not putting, you wanna make sure that you're not using those credit cards and it's gonna be in a negative way on your credit reports. So if you're gonna use them, you gotta use them in a strategic way that's going to work best for you. And you want to make sure that you're not overspending because there's a lot of studies that show that most people spend more using a credit card versus a debit card. And some people are disciplined where they don't, but a lot of people aren't. <laughs> the studies show a lot of people just max out cards and either don't pay them at all or don't pay them on time. And I don't that to be you. So in November and December, just make sure you're setting some time to look through your credit card statements and your credit card habits to make sure you're not putting yourself in a deeper debt hole. So that is it for today. And I do appreciate you for tuning in with me for Money Mindset Thursdays. And I just want us to start shifting our mindset around our thoughts, our feelings about money, um, not just about money right now. This is about like our future and our past too. And it's hard to really, you know, move on to greater financial lifestyles if we aren't addressing what's going on right now and what has happened in the past, right? And that's what money mindset is all about is thinking deeper beyond just the, you know, oh, do a budget. Oh, read this book. No, let's talk about what we just read. No, let's look at our budget and think about how we feel when we look at these numbers. So always be talking with someone. You know, it's really um, difficult to try to move through this by yourself, but I want you to know that you don't have to do it by yourself. Find someone in your community, in your circle that you can talk to if you're not already and make sure you're having these conversations every single week. I'll be here every single week uh, live on YouTube talking about different topics, different things that's on my mind and things I think that will help all of us do better, not by ourselves, but also working together to help each other. Because I've noticed that when we work together, we are more productive, we can get a whole lot farther. Um, we don't have to do it alone. And I know it can be scary because you don't really wanna have certain money conversations with people, but out of all the different places that I've lived and the different rooms that I've been in, people who are successful in their finances and in all these other areas of life, 
they talk, they communicate, they have these money conversations. And even though it may be kind of nervous and scary, they have them, they get it done. I was there. I had times where I didn't want to talk about money, but I realized if I really wanted to level up and live a certain lifestyle, I had to start talking about it. And another thing, I know I said this is over, but I have one more thought that I wanted to talk about. So I had a conversation with a friend the other day talking about becoming a millionaire, right? And, you know, it used to be, you know, everybody wants to make six figures, but now it's everybody wants to be a millionaire. And she said, you know, why is everyone obsessed with being a millionaire? And, you know, I thought about it because it was never my dream or goal to be a millionaire. It really was never a dream or goal to make six figures either. But when I started thinking about it, I was like, you know what? If I earned, let's say, $400,000 a year, that's not, you know, earning a million plus dollars a year. You know, you know, becoming a millionaire is not just about earning a million. It's about your assets. What do you have? You know, your, your, your money on hand and your assets. Does that equal to a million plus? You know, that is considered a millionaire. You know, what do you have in your, in your possession, right? So I thought about that and it's okay not to want to be a millionaire. I think sometimes I hear, not sometimes, I've heard conversations where people make other people feel less than because they don't want to be millionaires. And it's like, everyone doesn't need to be millionaires or have to be a millionaire to live, to enjoy their life. Because me, I am very, um, I don't know about y'all, but I'm very simple. I live a very like minimal lifestyle. Like I don't need a whole lot to be happy or I don't need a whole lot to feel excited about life because like, for example, you know, in, you know, where I live, like, I don't need a whole lot of space. I don't need a whole lot of stuff. I don't need a whole lot of things, you know? And if you do, and that's your preference, that's totally okay. No judgment at all because we're all different, right? But I know for me, I don't need a whole lot of stuff. But what I do like to spend my money on is traveling. You know, I'll spend whatever on a flight or I'll spend whatever on, you know, the hotel or the Airbnb that I'm staying at. Like I'll spend a lot on experiences while I'm traveling. That's something that I know I like to spend a lot of money on. But if I uh, was making $400,000 a year, I'm not there yet. But if I was making $400,000 a year, I would be fine with that. But I know for me, where I know I want to go, the things that I want to do in my community, helping other people, I know I'm going to need to become a millionaire for the things that I know I want to do. So that is on my goal list as of last year. That's when I decided I'm going to have to be a millionaire for the things that I'm trying to do for me, for my communities, and for other people you know, around the world. I know what I have planned for my life, I'm going to need to be that in order to do the things that I know I'm trying to do because, you know, things cost money, right? So I just know I have a huge passion for helping others. I'm still learning, y'all. I'm not perfect. I don't know it all. But what I do know is that we all can work together to achieve financial freedom and the lifestyle that we really want to live. So Thank you again for joining me for Money Mindset Thursdays. I'll be back again next week at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. And uh, I'm still in my Start Fresh series on Financially Free with Cleo podcast. So if you haven't checked out this week's episode, it is episode, uh, it was released on Tuesday of this week, which is part three. 
and I'll link that in the show notes too. It is called, it's just about starting where you are. So check that out as well. And I will see you next week. Bye-bye.